I've never seen one genre dominate over the other because you have so many different types of stories being told. In fact, the industry thrives on creating interesting uh, stories from different perspectives and different voices. And those worlds, those people, they all need music. They all come from a different space, a different, different countries and cultures and backgrounds and, and even different times. There really is there really is a range. I think it's more about the science of identifying what tone, what emotion, and what messages work. The more time you spend in the space, you're more the more you'll be able to identify what kind of tone, what kind of movement and pacing can work best for different applications. And there really is a space for all of it. Everything mm. everything works. This episode is brought to you by Band Zoogle. This is how you should be creating your website. I've made many websites on Banzoogle for years, long before they were paying me to tell you about it. I told everyone about it because it's super, super easy. Don't mess around with web developers. Let me tell you, the most frustrating people on planet Earth are web developers. No offense to my brother, who is a web developer. He's amazing. He was the one who originally built Ariestake.com. You're awesome, Mika. Hey, what up? Okay. Uh, but they're frustrating. They're always overworked. They take on too many projects. They're always getting sniped by startups that will pay them way more than any independent musician can pay them. So you should not be messing around with web developers. Stop paying web developers. Seriously, you know this by now. If you have been hiring web developers for your website, you can't get a hold of them. You can't afford them. And they are just the turnaround times are way too long. So Banzoogle. This is how you can build a website. It's super easy. They also have a built-in store, commission-free. You can sell music. You can sell downloads, PDFs, whatever you want to sell. It's all commission-free. They have a crowdfunding service. This is new. That's also commission-free. They also have a subscription service on there if you want to kind of start your own fan club and have subscribers, fans, patrons, whatever you want to call them, commission-free. This is all at Banzoogle.com. You can get a 30-day free trial if you use the code ARI. That's my name. And you also get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Go to Banzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. That's just spelled A-R-I for 15% off the first year of any subscription. What's going on? Welcome to Ari's Take Academy. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book, third edition, coming out very soon. Look out for that. Today is a is a slightly different episode than most. I don't have just one guest on. I have seven. Yes, seven guests. Get ready. We somehow packed this into just over an hour. We're talking the state of the industry. Now, these guests are the foremost experts in the field that they're discussing today. We have Vogue. Williams, who is an expert on sync licensing. He has over 1,500 placements of his music in TV shows and film and movies and commercials and video games. He is our instructor for the Advancing Strategies course for Ari's Take Academy. We also have Lucidius, who is a hip-hop artist who has over 200 million streams on Spotify for his music. And he's not on any official Spotify editorial playlist. Get that. He's done all this through digital marketing. And his partner on this, Jenny Powers, uh, they lead the Ari's Take Academy streaming growth through digital marketing course. They are the instructors for that course. They are on here talking all about digital marketing today. We also have Claire Means. She is the foremost expert on live streaming for musicians. She specializes in Twitch, but has also experimented and works on all the different live streaming platforms. And she talks about where is live streaming right now 
post-quarantine and how it's all working and the monetization possibilities on Twitch and the other live streaming platforms for musicians right now. We also have Austin Georges and June Park from Flighthouse. Flighthouse is the number one brand account on TikTok. They have over, well, just about 30 million followers on just their TikTok profile. But the reason that I enlisted them to teach the new course TikTok for Musicians for Ars Tech Academy is because Flighthouse is the organization, the company that all the major labels hire to get their songs to go viral. They work with labels, majors, indies, and artists. They worked with artists like Cardi B and Lil Nas X and Sam Smith and Doja Cat, just to name a few. They're talking all about where TikTok is for musicians right now. And last but not least, we have Carrie Rayburn on. And this is in the live performance space. He talks specifically about how artists who specialize in live performance can make a very lucrative living performing in the performing arts center market and other private events. This field is not for everyone, but if you're an artist that it makes sense to tap into the performing arts center market, he talks about what that is and if that can be right for you. This is a really excellent discussion of where we're at as an industry, specifically in these verticals and these lanes in 2022. We answered a bunch of questions at the end that we invited the community to be part of this live roundtable discussion. So we got through a bunch of questions. I encourage you to stick to the end. That's when it got super interesting. Hopefully we'll see you in Ari's Tech Academy as enrollment is open right now. For all of these courses, you can head over to aristakeacademy.com to check out the courses and see if any of them are right for you. As always, please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast, however you're listening to this right now. Just pause this for a second hit that subscribe, hit that follow button. You'll be notified about all the new episodes. You can find us at Ari's Take on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us there. And head over to Ari's Take Academy. Whoop, head over to ariestake.com, that is, and get on that email list. And that's where we'll notify you about future episodes and everything that is relevant in the new music business that you need to know about now. Please give us a five-star review on Spotify Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done that already, if you've been listening to the show for a while and you haven't given us a review, it'd be really awesome if you could give us that five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That was really, really help. All right, let's kick into the show. Welcome, everybody. See everyone's kind of coming in here. We have, this is a, a very interesting, very different podcast session that we're, we're doing today. This is a roundtable discussion, something that... You know, normally I only like to have one, maybe two guests on the show. Today we have seven, so we're gonna we're gonna work on getting through everybody here. But the guests are incredible, and I'm gonna make sure that we have enough time to get to everybody, and then plenty of time for questions. I know we have a ton of people here that wanna wanna come in and ask questions. So hello everyone. Yes, and you have that chat box there, and. As we get going, you can raise your hand. We're going to get the questions at the end of this, but let's let's jump in right away. Today we're 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 talking about the state of the industry and what we're going to be focusing on today. Five different one, two, three, yeah, five different topics specifically. We're going to talk about sync licensing and getting your music placed on TV shows and film and video games and commercials and what that whole industry looks like right now in 2022. We're going to be talking about live streaming for musicians and what it looks like in a post-quarantine era. We're going to be talking about digital marketing and streaming and where we're at in kind of using using money and advertising to drive streaming growth and where that is at these days. We're going to be talking about 
TikTok, because man, the hottest thing in music the last couple of years is TikTok. And we have experts here talking about TikTok in music specifically. And then last but not least, we're going to be talking about the live performance market, but specifically in the performing arts centers and private events. And so something that's kind of a hidden gem of the music industry, that's a very lucrative part of live performance that we don't necessarily talk about too frequently. And is and we're going to shine a light on it today. So we're going to leave plenty of time for questions at the, I'm going to get around to our panel real quick here. And so we can get right into questions. So first, we're going to start off with Vo Williams. Vo, he is our instructor for, hey, hey, he's our instructor for Ari's Take Academy's Advanced Sync Strategies course. Vo has had over 1,500 sync placements of his own music across TV shows and movies and films and video games. Both the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning and the Milwaukee Bucks are using his song as their season theme songs. Both are in another fight for a championship this year. Last year when they performed the, when they played the championship, Vo was there performing at the championship games in front of tens of thousands of people. I've guys, we'll have to send you the links of, of those performances. Those are pretty incredible. But uh, the advanced, the advancing strategies course, we have 600 students that are part of us right now. And Bo has been with them, helping them get their sync game um, going. So Bo Williams, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. How's it going? Going well, man. Good to see you. Good, Good to, to be here. You. Yeah, yeah. So, are you heading out to uh, perform at some of these championship games or these these uh, playoff games anytime soon? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm slated to perform in the uh, playoffs. Obviously, all of that stuff is kind of resting on our ability to get deep into the playoffs and into the finals. But yeah, I'll be there for the playoffs and then hopefully for the finals for both of those leagues again this year. So, tell I feel me confident. That... Yeah, no, it's great. I'm vying for them. Well, the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks. I mean, that's my uh, my home state. I grew up uh, cheering for the Bucks. So, I, I'm I'm. I'm hoping they go all the way again this year. But tell me yeah. what that was like um, first performing at the finals, the NBA finals in Milwaukee for the Bucks. I know that you did something inside the arena and then outside and in front of an even bigger crowd. Tell me about that a little bit. Oh, well, it was incredible. I mean, I kicked off I kicked off that kind of, I guess, kind of like a pseudo tour with the Tampa Bay Lightning and, you know, letting fans back into the arena. For a lot of people, I was the first for both in Tampa and Milwaukee. I was the first live show uh, that they seen the first artist to perform in both of those arenas wow. in 2021, you know, because of uh, the unfortunate uh, circumstances of the pandemic and the games were without. So the energy was electric in Tampa Bay. We took that all the way to the finals and ended up winning that Stanley Cup and was able to really kind of warm up with, you know, I think 20,000 fans each game. And we did about we did about six or seven games for that run. Then right after that, Milwaukee Bucks were, were taking the uh, playoffs into the finals. And then I had to ship out to Milwaukee because we were going to the finals for that for that anthem that I had made for them for the year as well. And uh, it was incredible. You know, you had yeah. 20,000 people inside. I believe it was 60,000 people outside uh, surrounding the arena on a, uh, a festival size stage. It was incredible. The whole setup was was it was historical. So cool. It was electric. Yeah, that's amazing. And this yeah. all by the came- way, my first my first ever live show was in front of 20,000 people, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what's so interesting is because you've spent the majority of your career not performing on stage, but yeah. carving out your lane in sync licensing. Um, yeah. 
So give us just a little um, background on how you got your start in sync and uh, just kind of bring us up from where you got started to today and what that sync journey looked like. Well, I, I basically kind of backed into it uh, by luck and just uh, just saying yes to opportunities and being passionate landed me into the position that I am today, being available for opportunity and being open to collaborating and creating. And when opportunity looked at me, I was I was working. So here we are. Right. Um <laughs> I just moved to LA from Florida and I didn't know anybody in LA, had a very small circle of people that I knew. And uh, a friend of mine, Samantha Powell, who was a, who's a producer in LA, sick producer, she introduced me to someone who was coming into town to work on a production, a production music catalog. And, and yeah, and I met, I met Dan and, and from there we, uh, we created the first song that I would, that I would kind of like come onto the scene with. And uh, that one did really well. We broke a lot of records with that. It was a, it was a new sound that, that it wasn't a new sound to me. I'd always been making this kind of like very epic cinematic style hip hop, but mm -hmm. it just, you know, it, it kind of like was one of those things where preparation met opportunity and it was just mm -hmm. like, boom, it was the perfect recipe for what they needed. Nobody had it at that time. This was maybe 10. 10, 12 years ago, uh, there was no, there was very little hip hop and definitely none like what I do. Right. Yeah. Uh, now it's everywhere. It's exploded. It's uh, this, this driving cinematic hip hop and uh, using hip hop and trailers is like, really, it's been incredible to watch it kind of unfold, but uh, yeah, just my career started from saying yes, meeting up with Dan, having no idea what we were doing, just making a song. Yeah. And cool. yeah, finding it on TV uh, a year later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's great. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, um, having your songs kind of getting placed in these shows, it's, it's sure it's great. It's a lot of fun to see that, you know, your music being synced to in shows and to the picture, but also it can be lucrative. I mean, talk about some oh, yeah. of the upfront fees in the sync licensing space that we're seeing. Let's talk like right now in 2022, you know, for TV shows, for trailers. I mean, specifically, you just mentioned trailers. Mm -hmm. What do what do these studios, production companies, ad agencies, what are they paying for the rights to use music in for for these sync licensing? Well, with trailers, you have also subgenres within trailers. So there's television okay. trailers, there's there's overall network trailers, video game trailers, and theatrical, so film movies. Mm -hmm. And and within those, you're going to have different ranges based on the size of the project, the budget of the project, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I mean, you could see you could see anywhere between 20,000 all in or 40,000 all in to, you know, 150,000 all in for a, for a trailer. And that value that value is a is based on a metric that is looking at the type of use, the length of use, the the type of terms, you know, mm -hmm. do we need it worldwide? Do we need it in perpetuity? Do we need it do we need exclusivity? Meaning, you know, if I'm if I'm Fast and the Furious, I don't want this song in anything that has to do with automobiles for a year, right? Mm. Which is going to limit your ability to, to create income around that song. So, you know, these aren't magical numbers. These aren't like, you know, there's no robbery happening here. It all is justifiable and it all works out when you look at the terms and the type of use. And yes, it's a, it's a very fair industry. And it's also, it's also very lucrative because yeah. you get, you get a big use out of this music, which is, you know, which is also valued at a, at a decent dollar amount for the song. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. So Vo, thank you for that. I, we're going to get into a little bit more of the sync space a little bit later, but it's great to know that, I mean, sync is thriving right now and, and congrats for having your music being used by these, I mean, the Bucks and the lightning and, and having that's like so exciting. And, and actually before we, before we jump, did, how did that come to be? I'm so curious about these placements. Like 
it's it's a slightly non traditional kind of sync or placement like how did the sports teams get in touch and use your stuff and what is that kind of partnership well i mean it's that's the thing about sync licensing for film and television is you know whenever you turn on the television you're going to hear my music and it's it's a great opportunity to kind of promote to these people who are using music or or finding music for the the season and tampa bay lightning actually found me via uh, a television promo. They mm. heard the song, they loved it, and they were like, "This has great energy. This would be this would be great to sync to picture to drive the 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 theme for uh, the start of all of our games in the season." And Milwaukee Bucks actually discovered me in the same way. Mm. History in the making was the song that they used for that one, and that was that was used in a few trailers, uh, a couple of cool. Disney trailers, and I think a video game trailer as well. So yeah, it's just basically uh, people you know watching TV, hearing my mm-hmm. songs, and and then it you know compounding into more success, more opportunities. Right on. So and that's a question that I get asked a lot, actually, is, is, um, should, if you have a song that gets synced once, does it prevent it from being used again? But what you're saying is you've had songs that get used in a bunch of different spots over and over. Absolutely. Again. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. creating a, you know, a lot of people have had one or two syncs here and there, but creating a career in the space is kind of what we cover more so in the course. It's it's yeah. about, it's not just about uh, syncing the song once, it's about creating volume, creating a sustainable flow of syncs, not just around one song, but your whole catalog. So, you know, mm-hmm. when I, when I, when I put a song out there to be uh, used for film and television, I'm looking for that song to sync 10, 20, a hundred times. Mm, cool. Yeah. And, and speaking of the course, I mean, what are you seeing with, with our students in there kind of how they've evolved on their journey and where they just kind of the trajectory that you're seeing with the students, man, it's incredible. I actually signed a few to my, to my, my publishing and my uh, sync agency Soundos, incredible artists. And, you know, I'm getting still pitches every day from new artists who are implementing the curriculum and the program. They're sending me pitches to my emails. I'm having an opportunity to read how they're putting themselves out there. We have a lot of people who've been signing sync agents, uh, a lot of people who have gotten syncs on their own. And uh, it's, it's dope. We have this great community where, where people can ask questions and, you know, kind cover some of the nuances that are specific to their their own music and their own path and and what and what they're what they're working with and what they're up against deal wise Mm -hmm. opportunity wise or whatever uh and they ask these questions and the questions are so complex and now we have (laughs) students who started with us who are answering the questions before i can get in there it's it's incredible to see you know how people are growing learning and and becoming experts themselves man it's yeah we've been rocking for a while and uh, yeah we got a lot of we got a lot of progress in the in the house man it's dope (laughs) that's great to see it and yeah one thing that's unique about uh, the advancing strategies course is twice a year we run our cater program where we actually showcase our students we pitch our students for some premier sync agencies in the space including soundos music group but we have so so far in the last year and a half we've gotten over 100 of our students signed to sync agencies because of the partnerships that we strike and we we work to, real hard to make sure that our students get those opportunities so that's that's great to great to see um Cool. So right on, Vo. Thank you so much. Uh, quick little no virtual hand for for Vo, and we'll get back to him in, in just a minute. I want to move on to actually the the longest course that we've had been having run is our uh, streaming growth through digital marketing with Lucidius and Jenny Powers we have here. And I'm so Lucidius is an artist that I met years back, and he told me. 
that uh, you know he was getting he was getting millions of streams on his music and he wasn't on any official spotify playlist and it blew my mind i didn't i didn't understand how that was even possible and he then broke it down for me what was going on and it was all through digital marketing and so lucid is this this hip-hop artist incredibly talented hip-hop artist who has really cracked the code of digital marketing and has used it specifically in kind of the Facebook, Instagram universe to to grow his music career and to bring in, I think it's over 200 million streams at this point and uh, hundreds of thousands of, of monthly listeners. And, and then we launched this course together, I think it's almost like three years back at this point, and it continues to evolve. And and what's so interesting about this, what we're doing here is that as the digital marketing landscape continues to evolve and shift, Lucidius and Jenny, you know, they keep up with this and they they help our students know where the landscape's at. So I'm curious, I want to know where it's at right now. And so first off, Lucidius, Jenny, what's going on? Welcome. How you doing? Good to see you guys. Hi, Ari. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Hi, Jenny. Hey. Hey, hey. So I'm so, thinking I'm thinking about when we met, actually. And I, I always say this whenever we have these new meetings. I remember I bought your book a long time ago and yeah. you wrote like a signature and you said, quit your job and move to L.A. <laughs> and I moved to L.A. back before I really had any real serious momentum. And uh, and then I think it was almost like a year after that we sat down for coffee, talked about like what marketing really looks like. Mm-hmm. We, I remember we applied it to your campaigns too, and like three mm-hmm. X the listeners within like a month and, mm-hmm. and kind of the rest was history from there. But it's, yeah, it's been a journey. It's been, I guess about three years now. It's crazy. I mean, we have over 1500 students in our course, you know, at this point, it's just the word of mouth that is translating because people are, it, it just, we have so many students that, you know, yes, we tried it with with my project. We tested it with a few other projects. But then once the students started to come in, it just started working for everybody. And it was just kind of it just kind of sold itself as it just like this. This works. And as I then talk to more label people, marketing experts, people working at in the marketing companies at major labels and distributors. And I ask them about like, OK, where are you spending your marketing budgets. And I I asked them, you know, like, give me the pie chart. Is it influencer marketing? Is it digital marketing? Is it running ads? What is it? And a big part of that pie remains to be digital marketing within ads. And so even though the landscape has shifted a lot in the last few years, every label and marketing expert out there is still putting a lot of their budget behind ads. And so Lucid and Jenny, just break it down for us. What is the focus right now when you're going to promote music using digital marketing and how you actually, where are you running the ads? What do these look like? And and what are you seeing in terms of how this actually works just from a very broad standpoint? Sure. <clears throat> well, I would say first and foremost, the the really cool thing about digital marketing in general is that it's one of the very few aspects of our career as independents that we are in control of. And like you said, when you met me, I didn't have any playlists, no, no algorithmic help. Playlist. Hey, you don't got to rub it in, Jen. All right. <laughs> the mute button works. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. No, it's true though. We, we, we're still not on playlists. And honestly, that actually gives me hope because it's like, mm-hmm. wow, if we can, if Jenny and I can 
get all these listeners and over 200 million plays on our own mm -hmm. using our content that we created, you know, dividing it up and putting it in different places scattered throughout social media, then it's possible that I could land a big split, a big playlist mm -hmm. and what happens next. So what I figured out at that, at that point in time was I got to find a way as an indie, you know, I, I can't wait for that big yes. And something that I remember, Vo, you and I had talked a while back about, there's so many different avenues that are important. Like social media marketing is just as important as it is to go for sync licensing, right? They're all different pieces of the pie. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that is special about being able to manage your own independent marketing campaigns is at least on a daily basis and while we're sleeping, you know, we can spread our music through different channels to find new followers, new fans, and there's no limits, right? It doesn't have to be just your country. You know, we're getting people across the world. People in South Africa reach out every day, people from mm. Germany and Australia. And that's the beautiful part about social media in the first place. But, you know, a lot of artists, and I would argue the majority of artists, we're not signed. You know, we don't have a, a huge mainstream manager that can just snap their fingers and, and, and make our, our whole career just flip. And my encouragement since day one and still is to this day, irrelevant of any other strategies taking place with publishing or management or playlists, you should still be marketing. You should still mm. be spending a piece of your income to reach new people because there's always going to be more people, even if you're only going after you know 18 to 24-year-olds and you know, this is my niche. I know these are the people. Well, guess what? millions of people go from 17 to 18 every year. Like there's always going to be a new person out there that can come across our music. Mm -hmm. And the, the course has definitely evolved. You know, it's very Facebook centered back in the day, you know, that changes. We've transitioned a lot through into the Instagram realm, Instagram. We found out that TikTok is a big time. So of course we're just kind of changing what our focus is, but at the end of the day, it really is the same. And that's, taking your music and putting it in front of people that we've slowly identified as your fans through interests, similar artists, genres, whatever that category may be. We're helping people figure out who those fans are, how to find them, and how to legitimately and specifically place content in front of them. Mm -hmm. And Jenny and I have continued to to research and test and only choose the best placements that yield the lowest cost and the highest conversions. And mm. for someone who doesn't know how to go about these marketing strategies or even how to make, how to even make uh, a campaign, what is a campaign, right? Uh, so from A to Z, we're, we're teaching what the whole picture looks like from somebody starting at complete scratch. Mm -hmm. And even if somebody does have experience in marketing, it's still worthwhile. One, because we are updating the strategies constantly, but two, Something that Vo said is uh, very similar in our course. The students are incredible. I mean, over 1,500 people uh, in three years, and there are experts in the course. Like the, mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool to see these students go beyond and test their own strategies, their own ideas, try out new stuff that Facebook or a different social platform just launched. And they're like, hey, have you heard of this? And we're like, mm. no. Thank you. <laughs> right. Because they're fast to find it on day one. You know, they're, yep. they're hungry, they're learning and it's a lot of support. And sometimes I think being an artist can feel lonely. 
Mm. and realizing that we're all just trying to make a living, you know, create a business and create a lifestyle for ourselves. So being able to, to talk to thousands of other people that can relate specifically to that is mm. it's humbling. It's, it's really appreciated and it's just a great atmosphere in the course all around. I mean, you bring up a great point. I mean, that's that's the thing that's most exciting to me is the community that we've established. And it's just like, like you said, it's even if something changes, you know, this moment in five minutes, someone in our community has already caught it and let us know. But I think we have the, the yeah. smartest marketing mind in the world right now as part of this ATA community, because we have 1500 people that are all on it all at once, all making sure that we collectively grow together and that we're all on it and and up to date. Now, Jenny, you lead these weekly office hours uh, where students come in and kind of work out their um, struggles and and roadblocks and what they're working. And you 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 know they share their screens and you step them through. Where what are you seeing kind of these days? Where kind of where most students are, what they're focusing on or what they're working on, and how you kind of where you're seeing kind of help them get through and get past some of these roadblocks and and where you've seen the successes with with them yeah so we we go over everything in these office hours from full setups to finding your targets and even going over uh, different types of creative so we can go in and and look and, and even just changing one little thing in their setup can completely change their entire campaigns and mm. just by coming to those office hours we're able to go through those and uh, individually and just kind of learn as a community and so if we fix it on one person's then it, it goes across the board and so we're essentially working six seven eight different artists at the same time to get them to a place where they're seeing growth on their dsps mm. Right on the DSPs being Spotify, Apple Music, and all the rest. Very cool. Amazing. Well, thank you both. So helpful. It's so interesting to see how the space is evolving. And, um, you know, digital marketing will always be there. It's been there as social media changes. This is one thing that, and as the landscape changes, digital marketing is always going to be a central component of every artist and labels promotional strategy and marketing strategy. So uh, we so appreciate you. Nicholas Menchaka just said, Jenny is a hero and we we agree here. So cool. We will get back to you with the questions when we have them in a little bit. And okay, so let me just bring this up here. All right. So next we have, well, to kind of stay on this kick, I want to bring up, kind of talk about our, our newest course. This is called this is TikTok for musicians. And who we have here today is Austin Georges and June Park from Flighthouse. And Flighthouse is a influencer marketing agency. They, their brand account has just about 30 million TikTok followers, but more so why we brought them to, to teach this course is because Flighthouse is the company that a lot of the most of the major labels and indie labels and indie artists, but they all hire Flight House to help get their artist songs to go viral on TikTok. And we know that TikTok has been, uh, I would argue, one of the most important promotional tools 
uh, that any artist has in the last, at least free promotional tool in the last couple of years. I mean, it is the most powerful free promotional tool that any artist has in the last couple of years. And so they have, th- these two are the experts, a business insider called them two of the power players that you need to know, two of the, the power players in music for TikTok in uh, 2021. And so we have those two power players here today, Austin Georges, June Park. What's going on? How you doing? What's up? What's up? Thanks so much for, for having us. I know a lot of you guys probably don't know us yet because uh, yeah. the course, I guess it's been what, like three days maybe that we've yep. been kind of live <laughs> yeah. here. So three um, days. not sure how many of you are aware of who we are, but yeah, my name is Austin Georges. I'll kind of give you a background. I've been working over at Flight House for about two years now on the music marketing team. And we've had the pleasure of working with pretty much every major artist and label, you name it. We've worked with Justin Bieber, Sam Smith, Lil Nas X, and broke a lot of records. Before that, I didn't have any music marketing experience. All I was doing was working on social media platforms and just building different pages up. I was actually a YouTuber myself at one point, making YouTube videos. So I've been in the social media game for a very long time and used it in a bunch of different ways. Reached out to the, uh, the CEO of Flight House and said, hey, I think I can really help you guys and worked for them for about a year and then moved out to LA and just, you know, started crushing it with them in LA. So Mm -hmm. that's a very condensed, very condensed (laughs) idea of what happened, how I kind of got here. And uh, yeah, I'll kind of shoot it over to June, let him talk to you guys about his uh, journey. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. You know, Austin kind of covered a lot of the really cool things that Flight House has kind of been able to have the opportunity to be a part of. It's really dope. You know, people on the Flight House team were able to really early on, you know, discover that music was really moving on the TikTok platform. And so one of our very first campaigns we ever worked on was like Say So Doja Cat in late 2019. And so you've since then in the last like two, three years, we've kind of really got to see the evolution of music on TikTok and kind of got to see how not only has the um, landscape of the marketing realm evolved there, but also how, you know, artists are producing content on the platform as well. And so, yeah, you know, we're just super excited to hop on with you guys and, you know, share our expertise and experience in the TikTok space. Yeah. So thank you guys both for that. So something that, you know, we talk about deeply in the in the course and and we go into uh, extreme detail where I just want to touch on very briefly here today is kind of the concept of how TikTok is being used to for in music right now. And there's kind of these two pathways. It's either like the campaigns that you mentioned, kind of these big stars, you can either use TikTok to promote a song, which is like a lot of times what you guys are yep. hired to do, but you can also use TikTok to promote yourself and grow as a creator. Yes. Can you kind of discuss those distinctions and just break down what that means in those, both of those sides of how TikTok is being used by both labels and artists? Totally. You know, I think we've seen a really big shift, especially in the last couple of years with, you know, in the past, maybe 2020, 2019, artists could kind of get away with Um, not being involved on TikTok at all and still having their record find success on the platform. We've Mm -hmm. seen this with bigger artists like Don Tolliver, more so like um, especially just more of those bigger artists that have had success on the platform. But, you know, even now, I think those bigger artists are starting to feel the need to be involved on the platform and use and produce content to also tell their story as well as, you know, help support the marketing of the records on the platform. We actually are, it's really funny, we're currently working 
on a record with her London record, and she was literally in the office asking us, like, and we were showing her how to make TikToks. And you know, she wouldn't have been yeah. asking how to make TikToks last year. Like, artists don't really care, but just to see that evolution, where mm. now artists are like feeling the need that they need to get involved, even a bigger artist like a B. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what's the coolest to me is. You know, going back to what June was talking about, 2019, 2020, that was like kind of the real start of when, you know, TikTok was, you know, moving and exploding. And back then, even artists were very, I think, scared of hopping onto the platform, whether it was because every single person was just doing dances and they didn't want to be known as some TikTok dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It, it just seemed to have like some sort of stigma back then for, for, you know, real artists that said, I'm an artist. I'm not, a, I'm not a TikToker. I don't want to, you know, be associated with this. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool now is I think that's kind of faded away and it's really become a place where you can be a full on artist and still post on TikTok. It doesn't mean you're one or the other. It doesn't mean, you know, it's a good or bad thing. And I think that's what's super cool to us. And, and artists are also building their, you know, full on careers off of posting on TikTok. And it's been super inspiring to see people kind of break that, you know, stigma of, you know, the platform and use it to, you know, build their careers explode whatever the case is and yeah it's it's just been honestly awesome to watch it's cool it's like the last couple years as it's been the wild west and people kind of figuring out if or how or whether they should even you know use tiktok Um, it's kind of 2022 now is kind of we've landed at this spot where it's like oh yeah, this is not something that anyone is going to ignore any longer, no matter who you are, whether you're a major artist, whether you're just getting started it, whether, you know, it, it's no longer I, I don't, it doesn't have the stigma anymore. Like you're saying, Austin, of yeah. it's just like for teenagers doing dances or whatever. It has been yeah. legitimized. I mean, there's over a billion monthly yeah. users on TikTok. It's not just uh, teenagers doing dances a- anymore. You know, it never really was that. But that was kind of what people thought. So what we're seeing now, just in terms of now that everyone understands that that this is necessary and important for uh, their careers, I mean, it's this convergence. Like I, I had previously on the show, I had Ricky Montgomery, who he was in the boat where he wasn't even on the platform, but he had a couple songs to go, go crazy viral yeah. and hundreds of thousands of people made videos with his music. And then that translated directly to hundreds of millions of streams on Spotify. And then getting in a major label bidding war Mm -hmm. with everybody trying to get them there. And like, it is given the power to these artists where they've never had this power before to negotiate deals with labels that gives them the clout. Like the deal that Ricky was able to negotiate with Warner records, one of the big three majors, he got a, 50-50 50-50 licensing deal split with a fat advance, no ownership. He gets he he basically in 12 years, they can part year part part ways, but they don't own anything. He retains ownership of his masters. He got a huge advance up front. He got the full weight of Warner Records behind him. And it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. We have never seen that kind of a deal yeah. before in a major label situation ever. But right. if you have that clout and power behind you because you've developed it and built it on your own, and he did this through TikTok, you have that. And so like, that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. So it's like, not only is it a great promotional tool, not only is it a way for you to directly translate and get you know streaming growth and build a fan base, but it can level you up to a point where 
you then have the clout and the negotiating yeah. power when a label does come knocking. We've seen a lot of artists, you know, use a hype behind the TikTok tra- track that they've been able to gain some traction on TikTok to leverage, mm-hmm. you know, major deals or even as a, on a smaller scale, like editorial playlisting with Spotify, you know, going to these going to these platforms and showing them, hey, I have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who are interested in my track releasing. Yep. That's a really important point, too, is that, you know, people, I think, are confused a little bit at the point of how does TikTok translate to streaming? Yeah. But a study came out last year saying that 80% of TikTok users actually discover new music on TikTok. And so, like you were saying, June, once they they discover a song, they jump on over to their streaming platform, their DSP of choice, Spotify or Apple, whatever it is. They search for that artist and they listen to that. And that sends the signals to Spotify saying, oh, there's a lot of people coming here organically listening to this song. So let's test it out on algorithmic playlists that which then trigger the editors at Spotify saying, oh, wow, there's getting a lot of traction here. Algorithmic playlists. Let's test them out in editorial playlists. Let's place them there. And so it just kind of all works together on top of each other. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I I try and think back to like where I used to discover music and I think mm-hmm. Spotify playlists are still a huge part, but for me like all of my new music and you know any new artists I'm discovering seems to be from TikTok and yeah. I don't know any other platform that I can find this much music this easy without actually being like, I'm not like searching for anything. I'm just scrolling on the app and I see a mm-hmm. song and I'm like, wow, this is great. I don't know of any other app that's like that. And it's, yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's crazy to see how TikTok is like just totally taken over the music industry in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And as a, a free tool, I mean, that's, that's the, also the most exciting thing about it is that you don't have to put any money behind it. And it's something where, you know, I've never seen this as a social platform in the history of social media. And I'm talking, I'm old enough to the go back yeah. to the MySpace days. It is never... I've never seen something where you can have a song catch and go viral or one of your posts or video with very few followers, no followers, yeah. honestly, like, Zero. you know, and I tell this story, like the, when, when Ari's take launched our own TikTok, our third video, I mean, we had maybe 10 followers, our third video got 125,000 views on TikTok with, with no followers and that that's happening all the time now and we're seeing artists that just like explode with with very few followers yeah and we talk about you know the power of the for you page really that's driving all of that algorithmic growth and you know we we you know we sometimes we tell a story like if you made an instagram account today and post it tomorrow chances are you'll get like two three likes if you get lucky but if you you know make a tiktok account today and post tomorrow there is a chance out there that you could you know get a lot of views and likes in one day and so Mm -hmm. tiktok is like that brand new platform where the for you page is algorithmically pushing you know content from creators that you have no association with at all totally Amazing. Well, Austin, June, thank you guys so much. Our new instructors for the TikTok for Musicians course. You can check that out at aristakeacademy.com. Real quick, I want to let you know about Two Lost. Two Lost is a new distribution company to the space. And let me tell you, I am very impressed with them. I, I got a full deep dive demo 
with the founder. And yeah, they're very innovative. And when you come into the distribution space at this stage with how crowded it is, you better be innovative. And they are. Yes, they will get your music out to Spotify, Apple Music, all the places, plus 450 other outlets around the world. They do not take a commission. This is why 300,000 artists and labels have already used them. They've already distributed 7 million songs. They offer payment splitting, and they don't charge your collaborators for this service, for the payment splitting. They will just pay your collaborators directly for free. They have publishing administration with BMG, so you know it's legit. A lot of distributors have have fallen into trouble with using some other uh, less-than-legit pub admin services. Well, 2Loss has partnered with BMG. You know it's legit. They offer instant royalty advances. Uh, This is something that's very cool. And if you have historical streaming data and you need just a bulk payment up front, they can see how much your music has earned in the past. I'm like, all right, we think we know what you're going to earn in the next three years. Here's a check for a hundred grand or whatever it will be. And you can just click a button and get that distributed and um, into your account immediately. They do lyrics and credits distribution for free. They have a very innovative analytics platform where, yes, you will see real-time analytics for Spotify, Apple Music, but also Pandora, Deezer, SoundCloud, and Peloton. They're the only ones that do Peloton. Uh, They also have a service where you can search the internet wherever your music is being used, and it will just show you a chart of Everywhere, every TikTok video, everywhere, every YouTube video, everywhere your music is possibly being used. I've never seen this before. That was very cool. They'll register with SoundExchange, and they have a fraud prevention tool, and they're doing fraud prevention. So if you're worried about your music, you know, getting a bot attack or something like that and getting ripped down, which we've seen is a big issue, uh, they have fraud prevention tools that are better than most other distributors that I have seen. Check out 2Lost. You can just go to 2Lost.com. Use the promo code Ari's Take for three months free and try them out. Let them know what you think. Um, let's bring in now, continuing along, I want to talk about uh, live streaming. And this is something where something that has been around for a while. It obviously exploded during the during the pandemic, during quarantine. And but this is uh live streaming. It has evolved. It has evolved from just, you know, quote unquote, going live on Facebook and Instagram. I think, you know, at the start of 2020, during the the start of quarantine, you couldn't open Instagram without seeing all the live bubbles and everybody was going live. But we're going to bring in someone, our our instructor for the live streaming for musicians course, who makes a living live streaming uh, music, doing this on live streaming. She was the uh, number one artist on uh, Periscope, if you guys remember the Periscope app back in the day, the day of a year and a half ago <laughs> before they killed it. And now she live streams on Twitch and has built up a very large, sizable, dedicated following on Twitch. But she also live streams on all the other platforms. Claire Means, welcome. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Ari. I'm happy to be here. And- of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Claire, I know you got your start on the Santa Monica Pier and the promenade and you were busking. You're out there kind of playing your acoustic guitar and with the guitar case open with tip jar and for people. And you did that for a few years and that was kind of how you made your living. When you discovered live streaming, because I know one day 
you just kind of opened the, it was Periscope at the time, I believe. And you started live, live streaming on Periscope, your street performances there. What, what did you realize and what, what kind of, what was the light bulb that went off for you that was like, oh, this could be something real. This could be something substantial or something that, that could really be useful and helpful for my. Yeah. I started Periscoping because somebody on the pier told me they were Periscoping me, you know, and told me all about it. And yeah. then I thought, well, from that that night, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try this Periscope thing. And so I, I tried, I was like, well, I'm singing on the pier. I might as well do it at the same time. And I realized I started reaching more people online than I was in person, huh. but it, it kind of has a similar vibe to busking, like, but it's a little safer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> when you're a street performing in person people, you get crazy people in your space all the time. And it's, it's, I mean, it's exciting and fun, but yeah, it's, you know, it's, there it's you can do it from the comfort of your own home you know mm. live streaming but it's a very similar thing and that people are going to pop in and pop out and you know you kind of have to grab their attention if you want to make them stay and you know mm. at least in for a little bit especially in the day and age of like you know everybody just wants you know here 30 seconds and decide or you know mm -hmm. so it, it's it's challenging in the same way that street performing is but it it mm. it makes more sense really in terms of reaching people and it's it's a kind of working smarter rather than working harder, you know. Mm. But I still do love busking, though. Actually, I, I, have, oh, I do love oh. it a lot. But but yeah, so that started me on Periscope, and I just realized that like with live streaming, just kind of keeping at it, consistency, and you know, making friends, you know, sharing out and popping in other people's broadcasts, and you know, kind mm. of cross cross pollination that way. Yeah. yeah. So so now that I mean. I know that you shifted during uh, once the quarantine started and you couldn't street perform anymore. You started experimenting on all the live streaming platforms, Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live. What else? I know you've done some Instagram, Reddit Live, Instagram not Live, TikTok and Reddit. Yeah, mm -hmm. TikTok. Sure. Um, yeah. Where are you seeing right now in 2022? Now that you've experimented with all of them, where are you focusing mm -hmm. most of your efforts and why? I am focusing most of my efforts on Twitch because it kind of has like a built-in music community where people are kind of searching out for, you know, people to listen to as opposed to Facebook or YouTube, which are huge, you know? Also though, I do think, you know, TikTok is great for, for live streaming too, in terms of discoverability, like through the swiping, you know, it's easy to kind of swipe right into a broadcast. So both, both of those two platforms, I would say, are the best in 2022 for reaching new people that want to hear live streams. Twitch, I'm focusing on the most because of the, in terms of the monetization during the live stream, mm -hmm. I feel like Twitch has, you know, in terms of viewers, you know, like the things that they can, you know, bits and subs and all that stuff. It, you know, it, it seems to be a kind of a better deal on Twitch in terms of monetization. And also they have these things called hype trains, which mm. happen every so often. So it encourages people like, oh, give, give this money and this five minute, you know, minutes, like support the streamer mm. in this five minutes and this cool animation will happen. And you'll get a little, a special, like, you know, emote next to your name, you know? So, so it's kind of, Twitch has really kind of gotten down that, you know, encouraging people to give, and it's kind of in the Twitch culture. You know, yeah. they give subs to they give subs to other watchers, mm -hmm. other viewers, so that like not only are they supporting you, but they're buying the subscription to support you, and they're showing like the other viewers, hey, you know, friend here, have the subscription, so you don't have to watch an ad when you tune in. You know, it's um, a whole community and it's a yeah. whole language. I mean, you just mentioned bits and subs and emotes, and and these are all like Twitch terms and you know bits for for the non for the people that aren't quite on there. Um, 
not affiliated. It's the uh, are like their version of tips and subs. There's the version of subscriptions and and emotes is the version of emojis. That but they all this is all monetized, like you were saying. And so people they're actually paying you to enhance their experience live streaming. And that's something that Twitch has done really really well. Unlike Facebook Live or Instagram Live or even YouTube Live, TikTok is starting to do a little bit more with gifts. Um, but with with Twitch. It is, it is really the way that when people, they're not just giving you a tip. It's like, it's not like on YouTube live where you can just like give somebody five bucks. It's like you enhance your experience because when you give them, you, you tip Claire, you'll see a little animation go on on the screen and then she gets it and everybody sees the animation. And so like, I can actually change her broadcast visually by giving her money and then animations pop up on the screen. So it's almost like I'm playing a video game with Claire as kind of in there and I'm creating this game and for me to enhance this game and enhance my experience and to actually make it a, a more exciting level that I'm on right now is I just could like shower her with more money and then all these crazy things happen on the screen and she might even write a song about me live on the spot, which is something <laughs> cool that Claire does is that she'll like, for the people that are tipping a lot, she just like stops the broadcast and just like writes a song about them on the spot. <laughs> yeah, you got to mix it up and and feel make them it. feel appreciated, you know. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I think that's a lot of what we focus on in the course, you know, is too is like, you know, all the all the you know possible equipment you can use and all this stuff, but also that like most importantly, yeah, kind of building up that community feeling, how to keep your audience engaged and reward, mm -hmm. feel like they're re you're rewarding them for you know, you know, generous and kind behavior. And, yeah. and yeah, it's really, it's, you, you have to approach it differently than approaching a, a gig. You know, if you, mm. if you play a gig, you go in, you play your songs that you might, you might say something like something right before the song about what's the song about, but you're not taking questions from the audience. You're not, you know, right. if, if someone like raises their hand in the audience during the gig, that's kind of weird, you know, like, right. <laughs> whereas on Twitch, you know, people are like, oh, but Claire, can I ask you this really quickly? Blah, 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 blah. You yeah. know, so it's, you kind of have to learn how to multitask and also a lot of people come to they watch live streams to feel like they're part of a community. It's not just mm -hmm. to hear the music, but you, you know, you, at the same time, you want to keep it balanced. You are a musician and you want to get your music out there. So, but yeah, it's just about like making people feel welcome and then also entertaining them with your music or yeah. So love it. And Daniel Ray in the comments, he just said, Claire's an awesome teacher and Twitch is great. Community is amazing. And everyone there is for live streaming. So thanks Daniel Ray. And thank you, Claire means. Ah, oh, thank you. All right, and last but not least, we have coming to us from a uh, powerless uh, oh, yeah, power. house. You got power back. Oh, great. Okay, good. That's why we we saved him for last because the entire city of Seattle apparently uh, lost power, at least his neighborhood. Yes. And great. So Carrie Rayburn, he is here. He is our instructor for our special events course, and he he runs the band Good Good Company, Good Co. And they're kind of a, a throwback, uh, speakeasy style, 1920s, 1930s version, a, a swing, swing band, an electro swing, he kind of calls it. And they specialize in actually live performance. So now we've talked a lot about everything digital and online and everything that we've talked has been outside of the live music, live performance space. But now Carrie specializes in live performance. But what's interesting and specialized of where Carrie focuses his efforts is it's not in the kind of club scene. It is in the performing arts centers and other kind of private events, which 
can be extremely lucrative. I mean, Carrie uh, has shared with us that a lot of artists in this space are making a, a good six figures with their projects, just playing shows in the performing arts centers and other private events markets. So Carrie, can you just break down like what are performing arts center, what are performing arts centers period? And then just tell me about some of these kinds of shows that you and your band play and what you see in this space. Sure. Yeah. So performing arts centers are anywhere that is host shows for like a community. So if you think about like your whatever area you're in, you probably have a performing arts center or two. For example, there's a suburb of, of Seattle called Kirkland and Kirkland has the per Kirkland Performing Arts Center. That's from Performing Arts Center. Also in that world are, like if you're in a rural area, you might have a, a group that puts on um, concerts, you know, several concerts, like a series of concerts. A Performing Arts Center is anybody that's bringing artists to their community and presenting them. So our band tours around and plays at these Performing Arts Centers. And one of the great things about it is they have this built-in audience of all the people that are, are are going to these these shows. So you don't actually have to have an audience to built in to do mm. well in this market just need to have a really great show. Yeah, that's a that's a really huge point. And that's like something that as a touring artist myself, which is so challenging, I mean, we've all played the empty clubs and they suck. I'm traumatized uh, from those <laughs> experience. I like literally my biggest fear before any show or any event that I do is that I'm going to get on stage and there's not going to be anybody there. And it is just this feeling in my gut that will never leave for as long as I live because it's just, it's a traumatizing experience when you, when you have to play an empty room and that sucks. But what's so fortunate is that you don't have to worry about that and you don't have to worry about promoting these shows because it is a built in audience. And so they actually are hiring you to come entertain their community and mm -hmm. Don't a lot of these performing arts centers, they have like subscribers and it's kind of like you're built in as kind of part of their series, their annual programming series. Yeah, absolutely. So the performing arts centers draw from a couple of places and subscribers are a huge part of that. So mm -hmm. a lot of times um, they'll have like a subscription series where people will buy concerts or buy tickets to several shows. They also a lot of times have sponsors that might be uh, a local company or you know a community group that's helping to offset the costs and because of that you're able to they're able to have the budget to pay for artists to come out and their their budgets are usually for like an entire year so mm -hmm. for they might have a budget they might have a budget for like a larger act that they might be willing to spend 10 or 15 or even twenty thousand dollars on and they have budgets for smaller acts that they might be able to spend like three four or five thousand dollars on so they it really um varies and and yeah. it's it's a good spot for different types of artists to to get involved you don't have to be you know a huge 10-piece really you know famous band or anything you can be a singer songwriter there's there's a place for you in these different communities and when you say larger artists and smaller artists do you mean in terms of recognition or do you mean in terms of size like members in the band a little bit of both so if you're an artist that has some recognition you might be able that that's kind of a draw basically you need to be an artist that the performing arts centers are going to be able to get their um, subscribers and the people that they are, are marketing to be interested to come to see you uh -huh. so if you already have some draw if you have some notable things about you then that can help help sell you to these these presenters mm -hmm. um, at the performing arts centers why you would be a good fit to perform for them but also it could be just like you have an awesome act, you have great promo, you have all these different things that you can help help them sell the show to mm -hmm. their 
Gotcha. And I know in, in the the course, we talk a lot about, you know, a place where a lot of these performing arts centers find the music are these conferences. And we go pretty extensively into how to break into these conferences. And we've had some of our students actually get showcases at these conferences and start to book shows. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, what you've been seeing at these conferences these days and kind of some of the successes our students have been having? Yeah, so these conferences are places where performing arts centers send send their their workers to go find new artists to to build their programming for for their season, and it's kind of a crazy little world. I kind of stumbled in it years ago because I played in a band that went to one of these conferences, and it's something that not many people in the industry actually know that much about. So in the course, we teach you all about how to be successful in those markets, what you need to do to um, be able to talk with the people to get these bookings. And we recently had one of our students go to the Montana Performing Arts Consortium, and he totally killed it. He told us that he had a line at his booth. You have booths at these where people can come and talk to you after a performance. And he had like people were lined up and he booked, I think it was seven shows in Montana off of that conference. Amazing. Um, Just Montana. I didn't know there were seven (laughs) venues in in the state of Montana, but that's my ignorance. Okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. So cool. That's great to see. And and so the special events course that we have as Artist Tech Academy, it's it's uh, currently our one of our only courses. Well, the only course at this point that is required application only because we are making sure that you're the right fit. It is a very kind of specialized space, the Performing Arts Center market. And uh, we want to make sure that you'll actually work and fit in the market before we kind of let you in. So Carrie Reverend, thank you so much for that. I want to get into questions right now. I want to leave time that we have for questions. And if you do have a question, you can type it into the Q&A box here. And I'm going to just start to read them and, and hit them to the panel just to kind of save on time here. But this is from uh, Lane. Is it Kipe or Kipe? How has your use of Facebook and Instagram ads changed now that one, that Instagram shows users a lot more ads than before? And now that TikTok is in the picture. So I'm. this is for Jenny and Lucidius. What are your thoughts on that? Jenny, you want to take lead? I'll follow you. Let's see. How has changed? Well, Facebook is forever changing what we can do, how we can do it, and what we can target, how many placements they want us to have. And then they're always adding new features. So that platform, as far as the marketing on it, is very different than what we can do in TikTok. So um, in TikTok, we have to have like special permission to deep link out of it. Spark ads and TikToker the best way to grow your following. Whereas on Facebook and Instagram, we can use these different deep links that help us get people into the platforms for those DSPs easier. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I think, um, oh yeah, go for it. Go for it, Lucid. Okay. Go yeah, I mean, deep linking is a big part of it. We, we use, I also am the, the co-founder of Artist Hub. And we use kind of like a music smart linking platform like toned in data uh, data tracking implementing pixel into it it also was really helping with conversion campaigns which is kind of the short answer to where your question is now it seems as though in addition to what jenny said there there's a lot of rules that randomly change within facebook and instagram's just whole process and like for right now for example there's four particular placements that for some reason 
tend to tend to work significantly better when it comes to cost and conversions. Also, if you don't have at least four placements, they made it so that it's more expensive and harder to reach the people that you're trying to reach. Mm. And there's little things that kind of like they throw at us like this, you know, whether it's every few weeks or a few months. And it's our job really throughout the course as it evolves to figure those out. I'm also applying these strategies for my own music. I average between, you know, 2.5 and 4 million streams a month and have a I've pretty continuously gone up in terms of my following and and reaching new new fans around the world. So what we're applying to what I do and to what our team does. Jenny also has dozens of clients, a lot of which are major record clients and people that are deeper in the music space with big followings. And we're just constantly learning. Right now, short answer, I would say conversions with a couple of tweaks, which we go through in the course, is probably the best place to be compared to where we were much deeper, like two years ago, which was a lot of video views, a lot of engagement, a lot of you know more basic type of advertising campaigns that really worked for everyone. Mm. And now it does take one higher quality content. You know, content really is king in terms of the quality of the music being presented, both visually and audibly. But in addition to that, we we do have to go deeper now with conversions mm. and being hyper specific with the type of campaigns that we're running. And that is something that we go over in the course. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Next question is uh, from Taylor Dupuy for the it says for the flight house gents, <clears throat> do y'all work with independent artists or artists on indie labels? If so, how can reach out a to inquire about possibly teaming up. So before you answer this, can you break down for us the the cost kind of what are your average campaigns going right now for when when an entity, whether it's a label or or someone wants to come to Flight House and work with you, kind of what's that starting baseline and what are most of your campaign cost ranges? Totally. So with with TikTok, we we kind of have a multitude of ranges. With with labels, we typically flex around the 10k budget minimum, knowing that's very high. So we definitely you know recommend that typically for major labels that you know we are aware have those types of marketing budgets to spend behind their artists. More so for independent artists, we are a little bit more flexible. We've taken like around like 5k budgets on the lowest end, but we definitely you know are very aware. And want to advise that the TikTok platform has become incredibly saturated in the last couple of years. Um, you know, back in a couple of years ago, you could put money into the platform and you'd see almost an instant response. But nowadays, just because every label, a lot of artists are trying to, you know, put money into the platform and push on TikTok, the um, initial amount of budget spent to cut through the noise has kind of increased as well recently. So a good takeaway is if you don't have $10,000 to spend a higher flight house, the TikTok for Musicians course yeah. is only $9.97 yeah, or, or $2.97 for installments. So you can join us in the course because yes, we know that that's what it takes to work with flight house. It's pretty much, and, and that's the kind of the baseline. I know a lot of major labels are spending a lot more than that yep. when they want to do the big campaigns. Much, much more. Yeah. So cool. So this actually... Michael Giroux is asking, does anyone have a history or experience with orchestral music? And Vo, I want to kind of bring this to you because I know some of the students in our sync course have experience with orchestral music. What are you seeing in the sync space when someone kind of makes that cinematic orchestral music, the instrumental stuff, and how, how they can succeed there? Yeah, orchestral is always going to be, in my opinion, one of the fundamental needs for music and film and television, just as 
you know, as a music bed and, and as a go-to genre to drive most scenes to, to picture. I mean, Hans Zimmer is not going anywhere anytime soon, right? right. So, so in terms of application, we understand how that works. In fact, it's, I, I think that most of us, if we, if we really think about it, we understand that orchestral would be what we assume is the requisite to enter the space as a musician. Uh, music that sounds like uh, what we understand as traditional orchestral composition is what most musicians think music for film and television is when in fact it's it's when in fact it's the it's the the dichotomy to that question which is you know what 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 space do we have for uh hip hop what space do we have for jazz what mm. space do we have for alt rock you know i i tend to get that question a lot more than than how does orchestral work orchestral works really well mm. if that's the kind of music you're making and it's instrumental uh, there's a lot of different applications a lot of different ways for you to market yourself in the space and uh, and to monetize off of that off of that style of music Nice. And I know with our latest round of, of CATA, where we where we pitched our artists, our students to sync agencies, a couple of our composers that made more orchestral cinematic music got the sync offers. So I know a lot of sync agents yeah. are looking for that, not to mention that you could get hired as a composer on some of these shows as well. Deborah Javelet asks, how does an older musician fit into the new music world and what would be the best marketing tool? And I'm going to actually kick this over to Carrie because I think with a lot of this talk and focus on TikTok and Instagram and digital marketing and all that stuff, which is catering to a younger audience, Carrie, what are you seeing in kind of the age spectrum of the artists that are succeeding in the performing arts center market? Yeah, well, I'd say um, also just going to like the private event market. One thing that I was really struck by, I watch a lot of interviews with folks. And one thing I'm always struck by is that question at the end when you say, what do you think it would take to make it in the music industry? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people that you interview say, well, they might have like 30 million TikTok views or millions of streams. And they frequently just say, well, making a living doing music. And like that really always like hits me really hard that like you can have like a lot of success and still have to work a nine to five in this industry. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm not good. I don't ever want to work a real job. So my entire life has been about avoiding real work and uh, <laughs> in the private event and, and performing arts center market, it's about having like a product that people want and then being able to understand how to market it and sell it. Mm -hmm. And if you can provide something that people want, whether that's, you know, a really great dance party or it's background music for a corporate gig or whatever, then you can make a living in the music industry. And it doesn't really matter what your age is or, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter what your genre is, although there are some genres that are more, um, marketable than others well let's touch on that for a second because ali s is also asking like what kinds of acts work best in the the special events kind of market so what are you kind of what are you kind of seeing in terms of genres <laughs> what genres work best so in the performing arts center market things that like are immediately really successful are are cover cover artists like mm -hmm. if you're covering if you have like a tribute act or if you are doing something that people can recognize right away but in that same way there's there's a lot of artists that do like 
purely original work. Like my band only does original music in this market, but we do it like an unusual genre. Electro swing is not very, is, is kind of unique. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of artists that put like a unique spin on something, but there's also a room for people that just have a really amazing product. One artist I remember seeing years ago at a conference was just a, a singer songwriter, just doing original works, but his performance was so like electric that at the conference where he was showcasing, he got a standing ovation from presenters, which mm. like doesn't happen. Their presenters mm. are pretty like, you know, I don't know how to say, are pretty like professional, if that makes sense. They don't usually yeah. like hoot and holler at these things. And and so the the key, I think, is is just being able to have something that is is marketable and understanding how to present yourself that way effectively. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. You know, I actually want to jump on that too and and just say that if the music is also universal and timeless, you know, all of the things that we use to describe ourselves like, you know, age, race, uh, gender, you know, if you're ugly like me, you know what I mean? If you're ugly and old like me, you know, the sync spaces is is one where that music can live forever. I fully anticipate for my catalog to monetize for me until the day that I die. And you know, although I am an artist who also is is public facing as well, I have I have a public brand as well. Like people, you know, you know, I'm, I'm on stage, like I'm putting music out with my face on it, etc. There are a lot of anonymous uh, writers in this space who are of every age range and and they're going to do this forever. So, you know, it's another thing to think about as well because, you know, it's it's not you know, in, in this space, you're a writer and you can also be an artist as well, but it's, it's very faceless in most cases. And uh, again, if it's timeless and universal, that music can monetize for you forever in, in the space. If you got a great, if you got a great song. I love that. Thank you so much for that. That's great. Uh, oh, if you are old and ugly, I don't, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> hey, I'll take that. Thanks, man. Cool. So we have a, a question here. Let's see. Well, Henry Song, this brings up a good point. He says, what would you suggest in the best way for building content on TikTok? I've been posting constantly every day, but the amount of mental energy it takes, I feel like is taking away from my music, but I have noticed I'm building a loyal community on the platform, which I don't want to lose out on if I stop posting as much. I mean, I, I can kick this over to anyone as well, but I'll I'll start by just saying, you know, that's something that we we talked a lot about today as well is working smarter, not harder. And so, you know, I think a, a lot of people when they come into the Ars Take Academy and they're looking at the, the curriculums and the courses and the lessons are like, oh man, you only have three hours of pre-recorded uh, material. Like, is that really gonna, am I gonna get the value out of this with just, you know, that? And the thing is, is that with all of these instructors here, we spend tens of hours, sometimes up to a hundred hours brainstorming and putting all of this together and we then trim it down we cut out all the fat here and because like i want to ask you a question if you could get from a to b in 50 hours or from a to b in three hours which would you choose personally i would choose three hours i would rather get from a to b in the shortest amount of time possible and that's what we do we strip out all the fat so you know all of our our instructors here, you know, they have tons of experience and that's why they're teaching these courses. They are the experts, the foremost experts in the space. And so, but they've put in the time, they put in the trial and error. I mean, Vo said he's been doing it for 10 to 12 years. So you don't have to spend 10 to 12 years trial and error, tripping over yourself, trying to figure it out. 
Carrie and Lucidius and June and Austin and Jenny, they've also spent so much time. That's the 10,000 hours that everybody talks about is kind of like to master something, you have to spend 10,000 hours doing something. They've put in that time. And so, so you don't have to trip over yourself and do all that trial and error we point you and we tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. And so to not get into the the nitty gritty nuances of what, you know, Henry, you might be doing right or wrong on TikTok, that's what the course is for is because we show you, it's like, we actually tell you, here are your assignments, do this, don't do this, but do this and, and do five of these videos and do post this and then come back and tell us how this went and now post five more of these videos. And so we break it down just like that. I want to do, I'm going to take one more question because I want to be respectful of everybody's time here today. I know we've gone a little bit over the hour mark and let's see here. So for the final question, let's go for, oh, and Claire, she's not on my screen. I thought she took off, but I see that she is still here. And so yes, Claire has also put in those 10,000 hours. Zoom is funny that way with, I, I can't see everybody, but hello. Cool. So as a final question, let's see here. All right. Lara Lavi, she says, are there genres of music that lend themselves better for online marketing or TikTok or live streaming or sync? I guess this is going to be for everyone. This is a great sign up for everyone at the end. Rock versus hip hop versus singer song versus Americana. So I just want to go around the horn, actually. And we haven't heard from Claire in a minute. So Claire, I want to start with you and ask you, are you seeing, does it matter the kind of genre in live streaming to be successful? And what kind of genres are you? Yeah, I've seen all sorts of genres. I don't, it doesn't really matter the genre. I mean, I guess there's a lot of people who are in the general singer songwriter genre, but I've seen people instrumentalists like a few violinists I follow mm. on, on Twitch killing it. There's, I mean, DJs. yeah. D oh, definitely DJs. Yeah. One of the DJs that was big on Periscope now, he's doing pretty pretty well on Twitch. Yeah, he definitely DJs. He he has a really cool setup in the background with like visuals and you know, changing a lot of DJs. Yeah, he's there. Mm -hmm. There's an there's yeah, there's a couple other DJs I follow that yeah, they're really doing super well on Twitch. So I'd say cool. it's really, yeah, really diverse. Any any so genre really. Nice. And Parallel Sky was like EDM, but that, oh, yeah. Just, you've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Lucidius and Jenny, in terms of genres for digital marketing and specific and kind of the Instagram uh, marketing space, are you seeing that, that some genres are working better or do some genres just not work for digital marketing? I haven't um, come across that. Yeah. I mean, I think at the bottom, at the end of the day, there's somebody out there for every artist. I mean, yes, there is a larger pop and hip hop pool of interests available if you're going after just a genre alone. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. but you can be you can be a, a pianist or a deep composer or do ambient type music and go after ambient interests or Hans Zimmer or there's 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 so many layers of tar like targets that you can test out. So I don't want to say that you know, it doesn't really matter what type of music you do, it's still worthwhile mm. to market 100%. There's always somebody out there. That doesn't mean that for some people, I mean, there's some pop artists that maybe they're just not ready yet to market, but that doesn't mean that pop's not available, right? Mm. I mean, there's phenomenal pianists, phenomenal people who are just instrumentalists who have hundreds of thousands of, of listeners every month. Absolutely anybody can do it. I would never put a limitation on finding uh, somebody's fan base based on what they do. Yeah, I work with 
genres across the board from healing music artists to reggae to hip-hop rap and americana so cool awesome great to hear june and austin in terms of uh genre are you seeing that some genres do better on tiktok than others or there's some genres that just don't work right now on tiktok i think one of the coolest things about tiktok is that they've been so the platform is so powerful at diversifying the niches so well and you know they're being they're able to build these very strong and niche communities where they understand that their interests are very specific and you know in a similar answer to lucidius i think there's always a niche and audience out there for every single type of genre genre of music on TikTok. There's, you know, like the urban and the singer songwriter stuff that's going to be more of that, but there's literally an audience and a niche for anything and everything. And Hmm. I think the algorithm is really powerful at sending the right type of content to those niches. And then so I would definitely say TikTok is a very powerful tool at even activating niche audiences if your music is in a little bit more of a niche genre as well. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's any genre that doesn't fit on TikTok. I think the most important thing is finding the content to pair with that specific genre. So whatever that creative is, because I think, again, on TikTok, it's a very uh, visual platform as well. And once you can test out enough content and find what you know types of visuals seem to be paired well with your content, you'll find the people that want to listen to that music as well. And I think that's the most important thing when it comes to comes to the TikTok side of things. Awesome. Vo, in the sync space, uh, what are the genres that are there genres that do better than others and other genres that just don't work? Oh, wow. You know, I get asked this question so often. So many artists are like, you know, hey, uh, what what should I stop making and what should I start making in order to start making a lot of money in sync? Right. That's (laughs) that's really what people are asking. Right. What do I what do I work on? What do I work on? (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. And, you know, it's man, I've, I've never seen. I've never seen one genre dominate over the other because, you know, in film and television and video games, you have so many different types of stories being told. In fact, the industry thrives on creating interesting uh, stories from different perspectives and different voices. And those worlds, those people, they all need music. They all come from a different space, a different different countries and cultures and backgrounds and, and even different times. Right. And different worlds different universes sometimes. So, you know, there really is a space for all of the music. Inside of that, the science that you find, and we discussed this a lot actually in the in the community, is inside of those genres, you may find certain things that work that are doing a little bit better inside of each genre than the other. But you know, but you know, like for example, in sports, you may not, you may not in sports, things are probably going to be more swaggery. They're going to be more, you're going to get a lot of alt rock, a lot of like you know, swaggery rock and hip hop, right? Mm. In in product ads, everything is going to be upbeat and uplifting. They want you to feel good about a product. So if they're syncing your music to a target ad, it's most likely upbeat, very positive, very bright, right? And then in movie trailers, you run the gamut of of orchestral instrumental for you know very serious dramas to to you know dark hip hop to like you know very again very upbeat music to, for a comedy, for example. So there really is there really is a range. I think it's more about the science of identifying what tone, what what emotion, and what messages work with specific types of placements and what's most likely to work there. So you're not going to hear... 
You're not going to hear, you know, uh, a really dark Johnny Cash song and and a new beats ad. You know, they want you to feel like, you know, they want movement. You know, it's going to be Afrobeat, dancehall, reggaeton. It's going to be, you know, upbeat hip hop. You know what I mean? Missy Elliott, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more the more time you spend in the space, you're more the more you'll be able to identify what kind of tone, what kind of movement and pacing can work best for different applications. And there really is a space for all of it. Everything, mm-hmm. everything works. Amazing. Well, thank you guys, everyone, for being here. Let's give another hand to uh, all of our instructors for for Ari Steak Academy, Carrie Rayburn, June Park, Austin Georges, Vo Williams, Lucidius, Jenny Powers, Claire Means. These are your instructors for Ari Steak Academy. Come join us. We're here for you. You got just a little taste here, but they do these Q&As with just the students every month over Zoom where you can ask them the questions that you're working on in the moment. So uh, join us in there and uh, we'll see you very soon. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. And once again, quick shout out to my partner, Bandzoogle. You can design any website on Bandzoogle, get 15% off and a 30-day free trial by using the code ARI. That's Bandzoogle.com. Use the promo code ARI. Aight.